It was my first summer leading a camp of middle school and junior high students in my church. I was leading the blue group on a Thursday night. One of the red leaders comes up to me and says, hey, I think one of your blue boys has been kissing one of the red girls during free time. And I think his name is Ryan. And I was like, hey, we don't have any Ryans in our group. So clearly you got the wrong group. Then Friday rolls along. We're checking out all the students now, in this gymnasium. I'm keeping an eye to make sure the troublemakers get out of camp. And uh, as I'm doing that, in the middle of the, gym, the gymnasium, I see the sixth grader, Brian, making out with this girl from the red in front of like a hundred other students. And they notice that I noticed and they run away all embarrassed. And that Sunday, uh, I see him and his mom walking into church and I ask him, hey, buddy, what's your favorite part of camp? And he said, the water slide. And I really wanted to say, so that's what we're calling it these days. Damn, I'm glad I didn't Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, where the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group, find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We haven't met. My name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined as always by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. Hey, what is up? Ready to uh, celebrate and chat about another topic for <laughs> that's probably going to make some people <laughs> mad, but you know, we're used to it by now. That's what we do. But hey, before we get into it, it's a quick reminder we are on YouTube. If you haven't been watched us on there yet, go check that out. You can look at the description down below in the podcast description or head to youtube.com slash at unlearning youth group to watch the episode. Subscribe over there. Let, leave us a comment. Let us know you're watching. And with that self-promotion out of the way, here's let, today's topic. Eric, can Christians yeah. drink alcohol? Oh my gosh. So, Last week we came off a topic where it was like, I think some people are, are like, they're, they're in it deep where they're like, this is the battleground, you know, it's like every man's battle, but not sexual, you know, it's like <laughs> they're into it. And then there's other Christians that are like, I don't even know why this is an issue. Like, why are we even talking about this? So uh, I think for some of our listeners, there's going to be a lot of like, I really needed this because I'm in the middle of this or I grew up like this, or I never really understood it for other listeners. It's going to be like an eye opener where they're going. I had no idea that there was a, that, that there, that there was even a controversy. here. Yeah. So that idea between this is a big deal, or I didn't know that this was a controversy largely depends on what traditions you come from, where yep. you have lived and where you grew up really. So to give you a basic idea, I can't tell you the answer of, can you drink alcohol? I can't say yes or no, but to give a broad view of this, there are three main views when it comes to Christians and alcohol. The first is that Christians can drink alcohol in moderation, but it is a sin to get drunk. This view is largely held by Roman Catholics, by Eastern Orthodox uh, traditions, Anglicans, Lutherans, most of your Reformed churches, your Presbyterians, your Reformed Baptists. Eric, I'm pretty sure this is what you grew up in, correct? Yes. Okay. 100%. So that, that's where Eric grew up. There is the view of ab abstentionism, which says it's not sinful to drink, but it's not smart. 
many Baptists hold this view along with Pentecostals, Methodists, and Nazarenes. So um, I grew up in a combination of this and the final view, which is prohibition. You also call hear people call, if you ever hear someone called a teetotaler, that's what this is. <laughs> they say that Christians should, Christians should absolutely abstain from alcohol because it is sinful to consume even a little bit. You see this amongst your conservative fundamentals, fundamentalist churches, both uh, your independent fundamentalist Baptists and your, your fundamentalist Pentecostal churches as well. So I grew up in a little bit of a fundamentalist uh, Pentecostal church. They weren't full on fundamentalists. So um, my grandpa would argue that Jesus turned wine, the water into grape juice, not wine. So he, he was a, he was a full teetotaler. Um, but for me personally, I'll go ahead and get it out of the way. I, I, I fall in the moderation theologically that Christians can drink in moderation, but it's a sin to get drunk from a practical standpoint. I am an abstentionist. Um, for me, it would not be smart for me to drink. So I don't drink. So that that's yep. where I would fall. I think there, there can be a difference in your theology and what, and your practice. But in 2018, a survey from Christianity today showed that 41% of churchgoers say they consume alcohol while 59% do not. Lifeway did a similar study back in 2007, and they found that 39% of churchgoers say they consume alcohol, 61% didn't. So over the last 25 years or so, we see a consistent number that about four in 10 Christians regularly consume alcohol. Is that sinful? Is that acceptable? We'll find out as we get more into the episode, but to compare I, that to, go ahead. I think, hold on. There's one other group that we didn't mention. Um, I don't know what their name would be. Maybe like uh, hypocriticism, maybe. Uh, because like for all of these surveys, I think this is something that you have to remember. This is what they said they do. Uh, so, you know, there's the old joke. Jews don't recognize Jesus. Protestants don't recognize the Pope. And Baptists don't recognize, don't recognize, Baptists don't recognize, recognize each other at the liquor store. Each other at the liquor store. Right. So there is a bit of like hypocriticalism maybe of, you know, and it happens in a lot of different areas of theology, but where it's like, oh, no, drinking is a sin. But it's like, uh, yeah, but you you still do it. You know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. So <laughs> I think I would say those Christianity surveys, um, I read them with a grain of salt, knowing that uh, there's a difference between the way that we this, what we say our actions are like and what they actually are like. Yeah. So I wasn't sure if I'd get into this on here, but I'm going to anyways. In my town, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the sweatshirt I'm wearing. I did it for a reason today. But in my town, we were, we it was allowed to sell beer and wine. We were not allowed to sell liquor in restaurants or have a liquor store. And I helped lead a movement in town to get that passed. And the biggest opponent was the large independent, independent fundamental Baptist church here in town that they, they put out, it's one of the inspirations for this episode, but in the lead up to the vote on this, they put out in their lobby, a pamphlet that was 75 verses against alcohol in the Bible. And so that they were, they're a group that would teach that any alcohol consumption is sinful. So the interesting thing is that in the 30, 40 years of my town has been incorporated, we've never been able to get this issue on the ballot because to get it on the ballot, you had to have a public petition of 35% of the voters to put their name on this. Given that that church is 
so influential in town, we were never going to get 35% because it was a public petition that people who go to that church would be able to see who signed it and who didn't sign it. So it was always said that that would never pass. We got it on the ballot in in a different way and it passed two to one. 66% 66% of the votes voted for yes. So when it comes to your your hypocritical hypocriticalness that you're talking about, I think that's a big piece of it because in private, a lot of those people were able to say, no, I support this. But publicly, because of what their church had taught, they didn't feel comfortable saying it. Mm-hmm. And that I think that's that's if you go back in any of our previous episodes and the topics we've talked about, that is uh I think it's prevalent because of the structure that we have for church. You know, I, I think you can even point back to um, the, you know, Roe v. Wade and the abortion issue and things like that, where it's like statistically the amount of women who have uh, had an abortion is higher. <laughs> it indicates that the ones that would say they are pro-life, like those two things don't really add up sometimes. So, yeah, it, or there it's is a place a that you have it. You have a different belief than your church, but you don't feel comfortable saying it out loud. Right. Because Especially what publicly the church like that. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's part of what this episode is. We want to give you the information so that you can not only have an opinion, but you can speak on it to others. Um, mm-hmm. an, another couple of things that were found in that survey that I think are just interesting that I want you to hear. 23% of respondents say that scripture indicates people should never drink alcohol. Those are your teetotalers. So about one in four churchgoers believe that, or at least publicly state that scripture indicates uh, you should never drink alcohol. 55% of churchgoers believe that scripture indicates all beverages, including alcohol can be consumed without sin. This would be your moderation and abstentionism crowd. That's what they would fall. Um, um, Among those who attend weekly, only 25% believe the Bible bans alcohol. 64% though, this is an interesting one, believe Christians drinking alcohol can cause other believers to stumble. So that, that, that's an interesting stat. Only 37% say they drink alcohol, which mm. you know, uh, we'll figure out that four in 10, it depends on where you stand there. But yep. one of the pieces I found the most interesting, there are three, three data points here that to set the stage. When it comes to denominations, Lutherans and Methodists are the most likely to drink. 76% yep. of those who responded who were Lutherans said they drink alcohol. 62% who are Methodists who responded say they drink alcohol. So you guys are having a lot of fun. The least likely are Baptists at 33% and Pentecostals at 23%. I was a Pentecostal growing up. So um, that, that fits right in with my lived experience. Those of you who are non-denominational, you are right in the middle at 43%. So right on with the, the overall average. One of the ones that I find really interesting is that the smaller your church is, the less likely you are to drink alcohol. 32% mm. of those attending a church with less than 50 people say they do not drink alcohol, while 51% of those attending a church of 250 to 500 people uh, admit that they do drink alcohol. And then the last one here, The more educated you are, the more likely you are to consume alcohol. 62% of Christians with graduate degrees say they drink. 59% with bachelor's degree say they drink alcohol. Only 26% of people who are Christians and attend church regularly 
who have a high school degree or less will consume alcohol. So this is a really interesting topic for how wide it is. Um, similar to what we talked about like last week on how some some people have elevated this to a primary issue because um, you know at the two different mega churches that I've worked for, um, in addition you know to some other minor, smaller churches, the first one. Uh, we, we were actually encouraged, like, Hey, if you want, if you believe like have a Bible, have a men's Bible study at a sports bar or at a brew pub and invite, you know, other dudes to hang out and drink beers and, and have a life group or a small group or beer whatever, like, yeah, beer and Jesus and cigars and stuff like that. Like do, do that stuff, you know, uh, not that you couldn't invite women to the group, but like, anyway, it was like, yeah, start a group wherever you want to go and go do that stuff. And so I knew, you know, I knew people that had their life group at, the local sports bar every Monday night and they would like get together and they would do the Bible study and then they'd watch Monday night football. And it was like, that was their thing. And that was great. That was good fellowship. Then I go to another uh, mega church and um, this church, like you would, you would just assume that as a staff member, alcohol was the number one sin. You were not allowed to drink alcohol. That was grounds for being fired. Um, if you had a picture of you drinking alcohol, uh, they would even like into your spouse, their, uh, their social media, it was like if they posted anything about them drinking alcohol, anything like that. And so that was so tight. And while I was working there, they they kind of slowly um, relaxed on it a little bit, still saying, like, don't drink alcohol, don't post it publicly. But like, we know you're doing it. And so if you if we find out that you were drinking, um, then it's OK. Like, I literally had to sign a paper when I went to that church saying that I would not consume alcohol. And for the year that I, you know, that they had that in place before relaxing, it was like, yeah, okay, I, great. I won't. But, you know, you heard stories of people that was like, oh, I went on vacation or I'd have to go out of town because this church was so big that anybody would see you somewhere where you were drinking. So they'd either only drink at home or they drink while they were out of town. Hey, Eric, can you play the music for the Jonathan's crazy stories from Liberty segment? Jonathan and Jerry hanging out. Jonathan's got some crazy stories he wants to talk about. So this one doesn't involve Jerry, but when I was in school, I had a friend of mine who lived with me for, he was going to live with me for a semester. He lived with me for three weeks because, um, as a, I think he was 22 year old at the time. He drank a beer at a Super Bowl party. And then Someone else who was at the party who drank that night <laughs> felt guilty about it. I don't know if this could take was you all down or under We're all going down. He, he felt guilty about it. So he turned himself into his RA because this kid still lived on campus. And they asked, I think it was the Dean of students or someone, someone in student life asked this kid, was anyone else at the party drinking? So the Dean of students or whoever it was comes to my roommate and asks him if he was at this party and, and if he was drinking. And his mistake was that he said, no, he denied it, but he ended up having to move back on campus, had to do like 30 hours of community service and pay like a $300 fine because as a 22 year old, he drank a beer at a Super Bowl party, which it was against the rules. Granted it, it was, but that's just how teetotaler some people can be when it comes to this topic. That, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's crazy to, uh, to see the dynamic shift of how different it can be 
And so it's, it's like a lot of things we talk about on our podcast is, um, you know, that Christians, well-meaning Christians can read the same scripture and feel completely settled in two different areas. And I think it's rare. I would just admit, like, it's rare for someone with your viewpoint, um, rare in a good way, you know, like to say, hey, theologically, I'm all about moderation. Biblically, I see that that's that that's OK. Personally, I hold a stricter view for myself that may or may not be theological. It may be more, you know, physiological and heretical and uh, uh, heretical. Hereditary, not hereditary. <laughs> it's not heretical. Similar, but not no. Similar sounding, but not you know the same. But like that's that's a view I wish more people would have to say, hey, I see the theology that's accepted here, even though personally, I, that's not what I'm going to participate in. Yeah. So and without and also I'll say what? this, and, and like you and I have never gone out to drink or anything. You know, we've never even gone out to dinner. We don't, we've never, even we've met never each been other in the same person. room, Eric. <laughs> right. We've never been in the same room, but it's like the, uh, I don't get the impression that if we were to go somewhere and I was like, you know, knowing you, if I was like ordered a beer, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like give me the stank face or be like, Oh man, well you better just stop at one. Cause you know, the devil's juice there. You don't want to nope. be, uh, infected by the brew. We'll get into this a little bit, but that wouldn't tempt me or it wasn't caused me to stumble. So I'm a hundred percent okay with you doing that. So to, to follow our format, if you're new with us, we always introduce a subject that we're talking about. And then we try to find the good intention underlying what could be a bad approach. Then we unlearn the bad things that came with that before we figure out where the heck we go from here. So Eric, where, what would you say was the good intention among, and you may, you may not have even been taught some of this stuff, so speaking of that, if you weren't, but what was some of the good intentions about teachings on alcohol that you grew up around? Um, yeah, I, it, I would say this, it like, it backs up. I'll come from like, what's the good intentions of the prohibition of alcohol or the increased moderation of alcohol, right? Because we didn't, we didn't really cover anybody that goes like all alcohol drunkenness is, is perfectly okay. Like, so we'll just say that that's not what we're talking about. Um, if you believe that, I don't think you read the Bible. So like that, if you, if you think <laughs> about it, this, this approach like backs up just practical wisdom and knowledge is that, um, you know, I come from a state where, where our, one of our biggest issues is DUI and alcoholism and death by you know, death by drunk driver, those sorts of things. So there is a societal issue. And so, yes, scripturally and theologically backing up the wisdom uh, or which cart horse, who cares? The bottom line is going like, hey, we all acknowledge that overt drunkenness or excessive use of alcohol is not healthy for your body. It's not healthy for anybody around you. It's not it's healthy bad. in general. I don't I don't know that you could walk across, you know, you could just pull anybody. I would be interested to see, like, the percentage of people that say. Uh, excessive drinking to regular bouts of drunkenness uh, is a is a net positive. I, that would be a <laughs> minuscule number of people that would say that. So those yeah. people are in college, <laughs> yeah, or in denial. I mean, seriously, or in denial of their own problem. Um, Correct. Yes. So yeah. So so yes, having a theology that backs up natural wisdom is is good. And so I mean. 
in my family, we were always taught that like you drink in moderation. You need to kind of, the line that we were always taught was like, know your limit, you know, know your limit. What's, what's drunk. What's not drunk. What's the difference between buzzed and incapacitated. And like, for me, theologically, it was a lot of, um, you should not, you should not, uh, partake in any sort of chemical that would, uh, alter your state of mind to the point that you are not, uh, making decision. You're not making wise decisions. If it inhibits your ability to make wise decisions. So that was kind of the line that was drawn. So that's why like, I've never done any illegal drugs. I mean, I just haven't, you know, I'm experimenting with any of that stuff. Um, you know, and I would even say like the, the drinking level is for me, if I'm not able to think for myself and make my, my own decisions or decisions that I would also make while sober, uh, or not sober, but while not under the influence of whatever chemical, like that was kind of the moderation border for me. Um, and I think that that's, that's wise in general. Yeah. And I think scripture backs that up. Scripture does teach us not to get drunk. So regardless mm -hmm. of which one of these three sections you fall into, I think what we would agree on that is good is that scripture says we shouldn't get drunk. Oh, some scripture to back but the it up. The issue is me. like, it doesn't define what that means when Correct. it says don't get drunk, but it also like be of sober mind, you know, so there's other co collaborating scriptures where just like last week, like if you put a couple of things together enough, you can come up with it. But the Bible doesn't say like, Hey, uh, you know, for every hundred pounds many. you weigh, this is how many ounces of ABV percentage volume alcohol you can drink. Like there's, that yep. doesn't exist. Correct. So we have to acknowledge that drunkenness is bad while right. accepting that there are going to be some different levels of definitions for what drunkenness is. Another thing that I think we got got right when it comes to teaching about alcohol. I think across the board, most people would agree that maintaining your public witness and not offending other Christians is a good thing. We, t we talk about this idea in our episode about cussing as a Christian, but I think that the words we say are much less important than the heart behind them. Mm -hmm. But while I would in a conversation not on a podcast. I mean, the reason that we don't cuss on this podcast regularly is because we know there are people listening who would be offended by us doing that. So we choose to lay down that preference that Eric and I can say in personal conversation to each other because it doesn't offend each other. We choose to lay that down in out of love for you, the listener who might be offended by that in the same way. There's and accessibility. Be, I mean, it's, it's like take offense out of it. We know that not as many people will listen for whatever reason, preferentially offense, whatever, like that reduces our scope of accessibility to the kind of conversations that we're having, which is, yeah. I think, similar to what you're going to bring up with, with the alcoholism. Yeah. There's something to be said about caring for someone above yourself. John MacArthur, who, if you've listened to the show for any length of time, you know that I'm not a big fan of. He's mm. quoted as saying, the primary reason I don't do a lot of things I could do including drinking wine or any alcoholic beverage is because I know some believers will be offended by it. Many Christians will drink their beer and wine and flaunt their Liberty, no matter what anyone thinks. Consequently, there is a rift in fellowship. And I actually, I, I'm pretty spot on with John MacArthur there and the idea of, I mean, he admits that 
he could do these things. He could drink wine or any alcoholic beverage, but he prefers to elevate the relationships and fellowship above his personal liberty. And I think there is a tension we have to live in between why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience, which is first Corinthians 10, 29, and always consider others better than yourselves, which is Philippians 2, 3. So when it comes to this idea of should Christians drink or not, one of the things we got right is that we do have to consider others above ourselves in this. We'll come to different conclusions in that, but the idea of where you drink and who you drink around is important to keep in mind as you partake in your Christian liberty to consume alcohol. That's something I think was really important for us to get right. Yeah, I think that that's, that's important. And this might bleed into the other aspect of like, what did we get right? But like what you're doing is you're also prevent, uh, or what do we get wrong? But like in, in some cases, really t- paying attention to like who you're drinking around and what that situation is, um, you know, there is a bit of justification around like becoming all things to all people um, for the opportunity to like reach one or two is to be able to say, okay, this is what, this is what Christianity encompasses more than just maybe what you were brought up to think and believe and act um, while at the same time carrying that tension, like you said, behind somebody who's like, if your family has been adversely negatively affected by alcohol abuse, uh, whether that's similar to kind of what you've talked about in your story or, uh, you know, family members being killed by a drunk driver or anything else like that, like that could be a sensitive topic to bring up. And what we've talked about before in this podcast is like, once you know better, do better. So mm-hmm. if there is someone in particular in my life who I know that is going to be a triggering event for them, um, once I know that I need to make a good, wise decision and do better around them with them, especially if it's something that is preferential, like drinking alcohol, I can go to a restaurant and have water or have a soft drink and be just fine. Uh, I don't, I don't need alcohol for anything. And if you do, you should, that's a problem. Take consideration of that and start doing some introspection because that is a problem. If you're dependent on, if you're dependent on a substance to get you through your day and can't, go about your day without having it, you should probably look into getting some help for that because addiction is not a good thing. I I empathize with it. It's part of the reasons why I have never drank a drop of alcohol, but um, unfortunately, sometimes that does happen. Moving forward though, what did we get bad about the teachings on alcohol? Where did we go wrong? And I'm going to jump in here first and answer that myself because I think it's hard to definitively say where we went wrong because there are so many different views. Um, I will say that I personally believe the prohibition and teetotalers are wrong in their approach. I do not believe that alcohol consumption is a sin for every single person. It can be given certain circumstances that we'll get to in a minute, but I can't say across the board that someone drinking alcohol is committing a sin. Yeah, I I agree with that. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things that I think is a personal a personal sin uh or a personal temptation level. Um you and I have talked before about uh like very similar to the the types of content we consume. There are certain things um you know, you've kind of 
we we talk about like Breaking Bad. That's a big one here out in New Mexico where I live. Can't it's do like it. I love it. Love that show. Love that whole universe. Great for me. Um, not a sin for me to watch. It does not lead me into uh, you know anything negative. You've all, you've openly admitted that those sort of anti-hero um, types of stories and content are not good for you to watch. That there's nothing in me that's going like, well, you're sinful for not embracing your freedom in Christ to you know watch, watch those things. And you know we're and as I'm not saying you're sinful more. for watching it either. Correct. Yeah. And, and as we're recording this, you know, it's only a couple months removed from Halloween. That's another conversation around like people who say, hey, I am not going to dress my kids up and we are not going to participate in it. That's just not something that we're going to do, because for us, that's going to open up my mind to more of the occult. That's not my personal view, but like mm -hmm. that's something I can see, I can respect, I can hear. But when you now put that on other people. That's where I think that that problem is. I think we need to work out our own temptations, work out our own our own sins and our own you know salvation all in what is very personal to us, uh, and not be uh, judgmental or prescriptive on other people. It's okay to point out and be wise about it. You know what I mean? So like Jonathan, I I appreciate the conversation we have had over those anti-hero type of shows because I'm like, oh, that's a good guardrail for me to keep in mind. Do I find myself getting to a spot where uh, now, you know, it's not healthy for me in the same way as alcohol, where it's like, OK, if if I was to meet with somebody and they, and they had been adversely affected by alcohol and I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to not order a beer when we went out to dinner or whatever. Oh, that's a great guardrail for me to keep in mind to be able to uh, you know check myself on some of these things. But yeah. like. The, the swing side to it is what we see in culture, especially on TikTok. Um, this is a little bit more of the Mormon side. If you've ever seen like BYU TikTok or Mormon TikTok, where they're interviewing Mormons about things like where they say, would you rather, hey, you know, uh, Jonathan, would you rather have a, uh, a cup of coffee or uh, drink raw sewage? And they're like, oh, man, I don't know, you know, because like caffeine for them is not so, or a hot caffeinated beverage is not something they're allowed to have. And it's like, oh, I. I absolutely don't know. You know, if you interviewed somebody on the Liberty campus, it's like, hey, I know you're 22, but would you rather have like one drop of a beer or, uh, you know, uh, cut yourself with a billion razor blades and bleed to death? And then and then the people are like, oh, why you got to make me choose on those things? That's so tough. And they're always this they, they do this performative act where they're where they're going. No, I would drink the raw sewage. I would much rather, uh, you know go through the, the gates of hell, then have a drop of beer. It's like, come on, man. That, that is ridiculous. It is read. It is this Jesus freak DC talk. Would you claim, you know, would you deny Jesus if you had a gun to your head moment where it's like, come on, this is not practical. It's not helpful. And it's not something that's going to be, uh, I would say that's also something that will help you lose your witness to other people. Yeah. And that's obviously a little dramatic and overemphasized. Like some of those, I'm just like, Oh my goodness, when I see them, but there, that's the situation that many of our parents or the people who taught us who might lean more teetotaler, they may not have put it in that exact context, but that's how like, I grew up around some of that, that you would yeah. rather do X, Y, Z than ever be caught in the beer aisle at the grocery store. Right. My, my local grocery store a few years ago, put in, um, a beer den where it's basically two long picnic tables inside the store 
by the beer aisle where you could get a cup of craft beer. You could try out a beer or a wine before you bought it. You could sit around a table and talk with other people. And that local independent fundamentalist Baptist church tried to get that shut down when it was first put in. And so, I mean, you can kind of see where, where like taking your convictions and placing them on other people, especially when it's not clear that the Bible agrees with you. That's not a good yeah. thing. Yep. Yeah. At one of the churches that I worked for, the the one that was more open and okay with alcohol still from the stage very early on, I think it was before I was working there when I was just volunteering. Uh, but we had one of our elders was given a, uh, a talk and he brought up uh, beer and actually on stage, cracked a beer on stage and poured it out and, you know, was talking about that and how that was a temptation, a sin for some people and had to go as far as taking a box and putting the beer in the box so that people wouldn't see it for the rest of the, you know, the rest of the message. And I mean, like, obviously I'm not giving the context that it was, it was perfectly placed in context and it was something that was like, oh, great. But you see that, that big dynamic between where people are on this topic. Uh, and then you contrast that with, um, I went to watch a, uh, a, a service in Cincinnati at Crossroads Church, which is Brian Tome's church. It's one of the biggest churches in the, in the uh, United States. And they're known for like being, having very extravagant sets and stuff like that. And he actually, during this message, it was kind of like backyard barbecue where they, they had a full out backyard set with a barbecue and he was actually barbecuing stuff on the grill in the middle of his message. Uh, what? That's called a cookout. That's not a barbecue. I'm sorry. He was grilling. He was grilling Thank things you. on the grill. Uh, but Thank I think you. their topic was called backyard barbecue or something. You are like offending that. every Southerner in a, that's listening to this in the way that you were telling this. Story. I so apologize. I just wanted... Southerners. I recant my statement. I will now pay the $250 Liberty fine and 20 hours of community service with self barbecue for lunch now. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I will abstain from barbecue for the next 30 days. Anyway, I think you should eat so barbecue for the next 30 days so you can understand okay, the difference between nothing but the barbecue glorious for the next meat 30 that days. is barbecue as opposed to a cookout, which is hamburgers and hot dogs. But go <laughs> ahead with your story. I apologize for disrupting you. It is lunchtime as we record in here for me and I now want barbecue. Go ahead, All right. Eric. Well, now you're you're welcome. Anyway, so he is grilling. You made on me this stumble. Grill, op open fire in the middle of of the service, right? And then uh, cracks a beer, and he's he's preaching while drinking a beer, and talking about you know the way that you can relate to others and these sorts of things, which obviously created all kinds of controversy. Um, I personally probably would not have made that that programming choice. I also don't see that as being sinful. Is that maybe unwise? I would put that in the unwise category. Uh, but if you actually listen to the context of the conversation, it was like, you know, in some ways, by being so legalistic on certain things, we we go wrong uh, or, uh, yeah, we go wrong by limiting our ability to relate to others. So whether mm -hmm. that means inviting people over for backyard barbecue or like I talked about before with the beer and Bible okay. study situation, there's been plenty of times where other people in the in the restaurant or the server in particular, or the bartender now has a complete different view of Christians because they go, Oh, I thought Christians were a bunch of stuck up prudes that never drank and never had any fun or anything like that. And they were able to kind of minister to some of these people and go, no, I mean, like we believe you can drink in moderation. You just don't get to the line of, of getting drunk. And so if you're in this teetotaler side, you are also missing out 
on that sort of situation. Now, I know I hear you going, yeah, well, Jesus could go to the party with the sinners and still not drink. Yeah, of course he can, right? But uh, if you've we met don't know that he didn't friends drink. who are in the, Huh? We don't know that he didn't drink. I know. We don't, we don't know that. But like, that's the excuse that other people say is like, oh no, you can go to the beer and buy, you know, the beer, beer Bible study or, or do a Bible study in the microbrewery and not order any beer. And it's like, yes, because that's exactly what any non-Christian beer drinking, you know, person wants to see is you taking up space in their brewery and not actually buy <laughs> their beer, you know? So it's like, can we be practical in this? And I think what happened is we take too many of these situations where they consider it a personal sin for them and now make that a teetotaling uh, theological issue for everybody else. And that sets us up perfect for where we go from here. How do we take these good ideas and use them to move us forward? And similar to the bad or the good earlier, I struggle to say we and how we mm -hmm. go forward, because I think this yep. is a place that will be very individualized. Yep. We, we've hinted at it a little bit, but I've personally never drank a drop of alcohol in my, in my life, and I don't believe I ever will. It's not because I believe it's sinful. It's because I have alcoholism on both sides of my family history. Mm -hmm. And personally, I tend to overconsume things. I'm overweight. I drink too many soft drinks. Like I, when I like something, I overconsume it. And I've had sure. issues with mental health and depression at times. So you add alcohol into that and a predisposition to over drinking it both mm -hmm. from a family history and just how I consume things in general. And it's a bad idea. So for me, I have chosen to abstain. And as part of that, I believe God has called me to abstain from drinking. And because God, because I believe God has called me personally, Jonathan Caron from drinking, I believe it would be a sin for me personally to drink. Eric, it is not a sin for you if you drink. Listener, if God has not called you to abstain, it is not a sin for you to drink alcohol. For me, it would be. So how do I go forward? I have to understand my personal predispositions. I have to understand my personal calling from God. We see examples in the Bible of people who were set apart and told not to drink. And I'm not saying I'm special or set apart. I'm just saying like there are biblical examples for God limiting the liberty of certain people because we don't know the exact reasons for some of them, but sometimes it was obedient. Sometimes it could have been health, whatever. But because I have a specific calling, I have to understand that my specific calling based on my bent and what God has called me to could be different than yours. And so because of that, I have to apply that to myself but I cannot hold you to the same expectations that I hold myself to. Yeah. And, and I'm going to be the first one to admit kind of like, as you said, not being in the same situation that you are, I, I need to make sure it's said, like, this is an issue for people that like, I could, I could stop drinking today and never have another drop of alcohol for the rest of my life and be fine. You know, that's why when I went to work for that church and they're like, will you sign this? I mean, my wife and I talked about it a lot and it was like, oh man, this seems a little, there was another red flag. You know, this was red flag ish for other reasons. But for me, it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh no, I have to. And I wasn't trying to brag and boast in my freedom. And I think that's where for a lot of Christians, I think considering this is a good challenge. If you are in where, where I am a little bit more as opposed to where Jonathan is, 
but but hearing what what you say Jonathan about your life and going like man could I stop drinking you know never drink another drop of alcohol for the rest of my life and be okay would that adversely affect my life if the answer do you is have like, to have no, alcohol to go stop. out and have fun yeah yeah I need alcohol to go out and have fun I need alcohol to um, you know get over my anxiety I need alcohol to go to sleep I mean there are tons of people that that's like they think the one drink is okay or you're a wine mom or a beer dad. I mean, I don't want to single out wine moms. That's just kind of the popular thing where it's like, no, I'm going to crack beer after work to unwind. If you can't unwind or go to sleep or overcome anxiety or, you know, overcome your inability to talk to members of the opposite sex without being under the influence of something, that's a problem. Did you just make a reference to the Big Bang Theory? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Like the Big Bang Theory. But like, it's like coffee too. You know, am I in the spot where like a Mormon uh, where it's like, no, I'm not going to have any hot caffeinated beverages. No, it's like, do, do I feel differently during the day? If I don't, if I don't start my day with a mind altering substance like caffeine uh, or specifically for me, if I don't have my pre-workout before going to do a workout, is it, is it different? Yeah. It's great to look at those things and but examine. But could you do it without it? Yes, you could. Correct. There's a difference yeah, I, that I prefer to have this, maybe that beer after work you prefer to have that to take the edge off and it just helps yeah. you feel better, yeah. but you could do it without it. That's okay. If you yeah. have to have that to function with your family, that we need to have a conversation. Yeah. So that's why I think I want to bring that up to like one, say thank you, Jonathan, for being open and honest about where you are and having such a, uh, a rational and even keeled uh, mindset on it to be able to, to help people where that may be in, in more of in line with where I'm at to go like, okay, these are great ways for me to help set, help self check, not only for alcohol, but any other area of your life where it's like, if it is a, if it is an optional thing, could you cut it off tomorrow and be okay with it? Not that you need to challenge yourself for it, but see what sort of grip does that non Jesus thing have on you um, is, is good. So going forward for me, I love the uh, the game that that you've uh, written down in our notes here. It is it's it's something that I've done as well. That sinful, stupid, or acceptable with self control. And so, in hey, some before, areas, before we get into that, real quick, for those of you who might struggle with alcohol drinking, um, I did a project with a guy about a year or so ago who has a really cool nonprofit called Booze Vacation, and he comes out. It's totally secular, but it's the idea that drinking alcohol for years upon years and getting dependent on it can have a really harmful effect on your, on your body and your mind oh, and yeah. your relationships. And he, mm-hmm. and he offers what he calls the booze vacation where you just take, you take a little bit of a vacation from drinking alcohol. So check out boozevacation.com. Um, he's not paying me to promote that or anything. It's just, I've worked with this and I've seen it helpful for yeah. a lot of people. So if you need to take a little booze vacation, that would be a great place for you to go and start. But to the, to the game you were talking about. Yeah. And I mean, like this is where sinful, stupid or acceptable with uh, acceptable with self-control when it comes to alcohol. Um, for me, it is not sinful. Uh, I will say it's acceptable with self-control. I will also say it is stupid depending on uh, certain situations because like I don't drink a lot, not because it, not because I have any problem with it, but because as a 39 year old man who has, a number of different sorenesses all the time. I wake up in my head, even like with one beer or one glass of wine or something like that, I will wake up in the morning and I just don't feel good. And it's like, 
So for me, I've just decided drinking uh, regularly, we'll just say, or outside of the occasion, outside of the special occasion is stupid for me. It's acceptable, but it's also stupid because of what it does to my body. And I just don't feel good. So it's like some of that has to play in too for you to think through those things. And so that's that's where I I would go back and forth between, yes, it is acceptable with self-control. But in certain seasons and situations, it is also just stupid for me. Yeah. Can I tell you how bummed I was that I couldn't think of a third S? I wanted sinful, stupid, or some other S. And I worked so hard to come up with that and I couldn't come up with it, but that is a grid. Like when you, as you and I were talking through this episode, uh, that, that grid of sinful, stupid, or acceptable self-control is consuming alcohol sinful for you. In most cases, I'd say it probably isn't. I am an unusual case where I believe God specifically called me to abstain from it. If that ain't you having a drink likely isn't sinful. The one caveat I would say to that is, is consuming alcohol sinful for you in a specific context? Eric, had you drank alcohol when you were on staff at that church after signing a document saying you wouldn't and it was against the rules? I would say that would have been sinful because Agreed. you accepted the rules put, in for, put before you and then you chose to break them. If you were mm-hmm. under the age of 21 in America, I would say it's sinful for you. Yes. Agreed. So if you're if, if you're breaking if the you, law, if you're breaking a if you predetermined drink, agreement, if you drink and you get beyond the legal limit of uh, a blood alcohol content, whether or not that affects your mental capacity, and you get behind the wheel of a car, that is sinful. That like, is sinful. There are so many Correct. different areas in there where it's like it doesn't matter if it's like I'm fine. Uh, if you have, if you are, if you are legally intoxicated and you get behind the, the wheel, that's sinful. If you are intoxicated to the point that you're you are not making the same level of decisions and you get behind the wheel, that is sinful. If you break the law, that is sinful. Yes. And the, the other one that's even more nuanced, are you around someone who would be absolutely offended if you drank around them? If you know they would be offended by it and you choose to put your desires over theirs and purposefully offend them, there's an argument that that is sinful. I don't know exactly where I fall in line with that because there is that tension we mentioned earlier of uh, who my personal Liberty and then putting others above yourself. So there there's an argument that could be said that that is sinful. I would say because of, because of that argument, it's just smarter to avoid it. If there's a chance. I say that's contextual based on the person, based on your interactions, things like that. Like I can, I could come up with an example where that's not sinful, but I, I also acknowledge that like the 51% of those situations, maybe more, are yeah sinful and well, or stupid. It, it's similar to our cussing episode. If I cuss right. in front of you, it would not be sinful. I know it offends my mother-in-law, so I think it would be sinful if I purposely cussed in, but to offend her. If that was yes. my intention, if, some, yeah. if something slipped out, that's one thing. But if I if right. I if in my mind I'm like forming a sentence and I'm like, oh, this will really get her if I dropped up if I dropped this word here that's sinful in that context. So if you know someone's Agreed. offended and you're purposefully trying to offend them, yes, I would say that is sinful. And that's in that, especially sense. when so, it comes to something that is non-essential like alcohol. If there is correct. something else that's offense or, or cussing, we're not talking about every situation where if someone is offended by this, then you should abstain from it. Like 
that that's I'm not hoping the case, you can be but... smart enough to see the difference. I'm going to I'm going to yeah. assume that our listeners and the people watching on YouTube are smart enough to tell the difference there and move on. If you have our questions TikTok about commenters that, are not our always TikTok that commenters way. probably right. not. But the people right. who consume the actual content, the full length, you guys are smarter in moderation. users. Yes. So moving forward, is consuming alcohol stupid for you? Do you have mental health issues? If so, if you deal with if you deal with depression, suicidal thoughts, things like that, drinking alcohol could be stupid for you. Not necessarily sinful, but could be stupid. Do you have a tendency to overindulge in things like I do? I drink way too much Dr. Pepper. Like I said, I like, I wish I could drink water the way I drink Dr. Pepper and chocolate milk, but those two things I overindulge in. So if you have a tendency to overindulge in things, drinking alcohol could be stupid. What's your motivation for wanting to drink? Is it to get drunk and forget all your worries and cares? Well, that's stupid and possibly sinful. If it's to take the edge off, or because you enjoy the taste of wine or whiskey or bourbon or beer or whatever, that's fine. But yeah. your motivations matter. And then the last yeah. one is what's your I, I think current situation? Yeah, it's very situational. This uh, That's the whole point I hope everybody gets is the stupid can be very situational because like same thing for me, where in most situations, drinking is not stupid for me. But if I know that I'm getting up to uh, – to work out at 530 in the morning, um, then yes, it's going to be stupid because I'm going to feel terrible the next day and that's going to adversely affect my day. I mean, that's not even like to the sinful part. That's just, no, this is stupid. If I'm supposed to be driving and I'm out with my family, is it smart for me to have, you know, two, three beers or anything like, no, that is stupid for me. Um, is it stupid you know, for you to have a lunch beer and you have a big meeting that afternoon? Yeah, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I not. I don't know. Maybe, maybe would, it makes you I feel better going to the meeting. Because, I'd say this too, because we had this conversation right before we started recording. It's like, uh, you know, if I were to like bring a beer here and start drinking here on, on our podcast, is it sinful? No. Is it unwise? Yes. It's stupid. It, there's no point to it because it's not, um, you know, you could go to motivation or whatever else, but it's like, no, right, right now is not good. Also, is it sinful to drink a beer at 1030 my time in the morning? <laughs> no. Is it stupid? Yes. Unless you're at a tailgate for a football game, which for some reason time doesn't matter at that point. No, not at all. But again, <laughs> and here's the other thing. Stupid is going to be contextual to the person as well. Yeah. I mm-hmm. might think someone having a beer at lunch before going into a meeting is stupid. But if, that helps them relax because maybe they're wound up a little bit and it just takes that edge off. There's an argument to say that it's not stupid. And so I can't say for sure that every single person in every single context that I see that I disagree with is stupid. Some people, like I don't know every situation. So when we play this game of sinful, stupid or acceptable self-control, you got to take the plank out of your eye before you look at someone else before you yep. look at uh, someone else. And I think that's important on a lot of stuff, but we can't be judging people here. I think this is a very personal thing. And the last thing is, is consuming alcohol acceptable self-control more often than not. For most of you, the answer is going to be yes. Um, I'm not a teetotaler. I, I choose not to for me, but knowing where that stupid limit is and being able to have the maturity to 
to acknowledge that, that's the biggest thing to know whether it's acceptable with self-control or if it's stupid. Yep. Yeah. Knowing what is it, you know, so like for me, I know based on my, my body, my experience, my everything else like that, like uh, one, if I'm out anywhere, one beer, fine, you know, like one to two beers. Okay. Uh, if I'm at home, can I have more? Yes. But I, but again, I know it's like at some point <laughs> it just becomes stupid because I'm not going to feel good the next morning. You know what I mean? Can I have a beer when, uh, uh, w- when my kids were infants and I'm, you know, the, the sole person responsible for them because of whatever, right? Like, yes. Can I have multiple? Like, is that, does that get to the stupid? So understanding where we can drift from acceptable with self-control to what's that stupid self-control line that gets into stupid is, is the important piece. And the last thing I'll say before we get you out of here, because we thought this would be a short one. We're going an hour again because that's what we do. But acceptable with self-control can quickly turn into stupid and stupid can quickly turn into sinful. Yes. And so you have to know yourself. You have to know your limits. You have to understand where your boundaries are and have the maturity to know that. And if you are married, if you're married, definitely. If you routinely go out with friends, I think it's important to have those around you who also know where your line between stupid, acceptable, stupid, and sinful are because they can lovingly help you and say, Hey, you know what, Eric, I know it's been a tough week, but I I think that if you have another one, you might be crossing the line there and you know, they love you and you know, they accept you and you know, it's motivated by love and not judgment. So to have someone be able to say that to you is is really important as well. Yeah. Or even just saying, Hey, are you okay? You know, Hey, I'm just checking. I just want to make sure everything's all right. You good. Are you, you know, one of those, like, are you sure I've done it before? Like, are you sure you want that second drink? Or even to the point where it's like, if I'm around, like, hey, if you want to have that second drink, I'll give you a ride home. You know what I mean? Is that something? Yeah. So at least to have that helpful conversation in their mind so they can kind of hit the tap the brakes before getting into stupidity to start to see the signs. Just for me, I mean, I don't drink, but like I said, I overindulge in things. And so my wife has, yeah. has said, hey, are you sure you want more to eat or are you just trying to feel good about yourself? Or, or are you sure you want that extra whatever? Or are yeah. you just stressed out and it's comforting you? And do you need to add I that to your Amazon back. cart or do you just want the serotonin? <laughs> that, and I want to push me. back I'm and like, fight back. Yeah. So, I mean, this, this is, you're going to hear this, this game come out later in the season as well. But sinful, stupid, or acceptable with self-control, that's what I want to leave you with because – Drinking is allowed within scripture. I fully believe that drunkenness is not. So as you go about your day and your week, play the game whenever the topic comes up and try not to judge people who might have different opinions than you or who sin differently than you. If you're someone who doesn't choose to drink themselves. Yep. Remember stupidity isn't always sin, but intentional repeated knowing stupidity over and over again can most definitely be sin. So. Try not to be stupid. That's it for this week. Eric, do you know what next week is? Uh, February. And what are we contractually obligated to talk about in February? Uh, We get to talk about purity culture. Yeah. So while we've done a few different episodes on purity culture, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, And there are a billion layers to tackle. So next week we're going to be talking about 
the differences between teaching sexual purity and what purity culture became. I like to mm. say that the difference in teaching sexual purity and what purity culture became is the same as the difference between an apple and an apple slicer. So come back for that entire episode next week. In the meantime, rate us and review us wherever you get podcasts. Uh, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. We haven't had those in a while. Subscribe on YouTube. Leave a comment there if you're watching there. Share this episode with a friend if you found it interesting. If you have feedback or questions, you can get in touch with us at hello at unlearningyouthgroup.com. Eric is at ericw712 on all the major platforms, and I am at Jonathan underscore Corone on them as well. You can get your merch at unlearningyouthgroup.com, and you can send in your funny or silly youth group stories for the podcast intro on there as well. As always, though, thanks for making us a part of your day and your week, and we'll talk to you again next week. Don't be stupid. Cool.